Hey there, friends. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to invite you to our next Collaboration Zone Zoom party. This is a free Zoom chat get together with all of my entrepreneur friends in the Rise and Recovery Network, where we can share mind and business growth tips, strategies, and you get to network with other entrepreneurs of all experience levels. So if you want to level up your business and get connected, book your spot today. Head on over to www. The road forward slash collaboration zone. When we recover, we are returning to a normal state of health, mind, or strength. We begin the process of regaining control over something that was lost. Welcome to the Road Beyond Recovery podcast, and my name is Tamar, your host. Have you ever felt like you were meant for more? Well, I help people discover their purpose so they can follow their passion and realize what they are truly capable of. My mission is to empower people in recovery to embrace their authentic selves, live up to their true potential, and answer the question, what lies beyond recovery for you? Hey guys, thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the Road Beyond Recovery podcast. You know, I feel like I am in this major growth, learning, transition part of my life right now. The last few months have been such a gift. It has also been incredibly difficult at times because learning how to live as a full-time entrepreneur, you know, is... um, not that easy, not that I ever thought it would be, but it has definitely taken some adjustment. I think that, you know, I was very grateful that I had put myself in a position where financially I knew that, you know, I could I could be okay um, for quite a while and that I had this opportunity to really give it a go and to really give it all that I had. And I have absolutely no regrets. I think that this is just, you know, I thrive. Um, The more I have on my plate, the more I thrive is what I'm learning about. And my guest today, Mary Stewart, we talk about that as well. She's the same way. She's still working her her full-time job and she's got her side hustle going on. She's an author. She's doing so many cool things. And, you know, it's part of what I love about having these conversations is a lot of people who are living sober or alcohol-free today you know, we have those, the similarities in common. And, you know, it's one of those things that I I chat about with clients is that, you know, anybody who has come from a life of addiction, we already have all those skills that we need, we just have to utilize them into something that we're passionate about. And it's amazing the transformation that we can make. So, you know, today on the show, like I mentioned, I'm chatting with my friend Mary Stewart. She is an author of Living an Alcohol-Free Life Your Way, and she shares her story and what led to her finally being able to remain sober, which is really cool. And, you know, I I don't um, promote one method over another on how to, you know, get recovery because I think there's so many different ways out there. I know that for me, the way that I got sober, it worked. It helped me build a very solid foundation. It helps me keep that solid foundation because I continue to do the work today that I did, you know, nine years ago. But I know that's not for everybody. And I know, you know, the statistics on getting clean and sober are terrible out there. And Mary and I actually talk about that on the show today on you have to really want to live an alcohol-free life or live sober in order to start to get this thing. You know, that seems to be the common theme with most of the guests that I chat with is when they finally decided to stop digging, when they hit their bottom, it was because they had decided that enough was enough. They were really sick and tired of being sick and tired. And, you know, I think that's a sad thing today with, you know, many um, areas of treatment. Unfortunately, a lot of people are forced into treatment or they have to because maybe they've gone to jail or something's happened in their life. And I think the common theme with most of the people I talk to today that still lead healthy, sober lives 
are they made that decision once and for all that they wanted to get sober. So Mary and I talk about that. Uh, we talk about her resilience and not giving up, you know, how she herself got sober by learning the lessons each and every time she was able to sustain a period of sobriety. And then of course, we talk about her book and what inspired her to write it. So I hope you enjoy this episode. All right. Welcome back. We are hanging out with Mary Stewart today, author of Living an Alcohol-Free Life Your Way. How are you, Mary? I'm good. How are you? I am doing great. I'm so glad you're on the show. We get to talk about your book and all that kind of stuff. So why don't you give a quick introduction, you know, who you are, what you do, what you do today. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on, first of all. It's very exciting. Um, so at the moment, so I've only recently started a business, so um, with my artwork and also with my writing. So that was that started in April this year. Um, I also still do have my day job as a student advocate at a university, um, but hopefully at some stage I can then, you know, drop that off and, and continue with my writing and my artwork. So... Um, yeah, so that's, that's what I do at the moment. Um, also planning to do some online course content with my, on the back end of my book. Um, so that will be, I'm in the process of doing that at the moment. So that will, um, develop and be released probably at the end of the year. Ooh, that's really exciting. I can't wait till that comes out. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, You know, I always like when I share my story, a lot of people will ask about my upbringing because I had a very good upbringing and it wasn't because of that that I decided to drink. It was just because how it made, you know, me feel and I just, I fell in love right away. So what was it like for you uh, growing up and what led to you starting to drink? Well, I grew up in the 70s, 80s. So um, I was born in the early 70s. So, you know, when I was younger and in Australia back then, lots of people, lots of adults drank back then. And they always looked like they were having so much fun. So I was, um, I remember this one time I sat on my mum's lap and she was drinking. My mum wasn't a big drinker. She only ever used to have like, you know, one drink at a party or something like that. But my dad um, used to drink quite a bit um, and my uncles and things like that. But um yeah, so I, but they always looked like they were having a ball. So I just wanted to have a sip too. So I remember this one day I had a little sip of my mum's drink and I just thought it tasted nice um, because it was one of those, like, I don't know whether you have them there, but it's, they're, they're called UDLs. So um, it's like a vodka and raspberry or vodka and passion fruit. They have all different types of um, vodka mixed drinks. Um, so I had a taste of a drink and I thought, oh, this tasted nice because it almost tasted like cordial with, you know, a little zing. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I was a bit naughty. Like when I was little, I'd, you know, have a little sip from the fridge because mum used to just have some in there um, for a party or something like that. Um, she probably thought, you know, some were disappearing. <laughs> she didn't really know why. She probably thought my brothers were taking them. Um, but yeah, so that's when it all started. And then um, <clears throat> in late high school, sorry, <clears throat> losing my voice. Um, <laughs> in late high school, like obviously you start, you know, like binge drinking and things like that. And it also gave me confidence. Like it gave me this well, false confidence that, um, where people thought I was an extrovert and I'm actually not, I'm, I'm quite an introvert. So, um, cause when I was young, I was painfully shy, like as a child, like when I sort of from, you know, when I was born to probably four, five, six, um, even probably up, up to when I was about 10, I was quite shy. Um, and you know, when I was little, I remember hiding behind my mum's skirt cause I hated people talking to me and things like that so it came out of like you know lack of self-confidence and insecurities about myself um going through my teens and into my early adulthood um so once I started that binge drinking it just got worse so um I got married when I was um 22 and um I was binge drinking through my marriage as well and um, that was my first marriage. I'm married again. So, um, that sort of got progressively worse. And towards the end of my marriage, when I knew that it was over, I suppose, um, that's when I started to drink at night. Um, so 
my husband didn't know that I was doing that. Um, I would drink a couple of drinks before I'd go to bed. Um, and then that just got worse. Yeah. So, um, and then that turned into daily and then ended up being like three, three bottles of wine a night I was drinking, um, before I finally quit. Yeah. Wow. And did you try, I know for me personally, I had tried to quit all the time and I thought, well, I'm going to do a month bet. Like I can go 30 (laughs) days without it, but we'd plan our little cheat days along. Right. It's like, well, we have a party to go to this day. So we have to all drink this day. And I would also switch different kind of alcohol because I'm like, well, alcoholics, right. Don't drink, you know, uh, they don't drink um, beer. So I'm going to switch from vodka to beer, from wine (laughs) to, you know, spritzers or whatever it was. Did you ever go through that? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. when I was younger, all I drank was like spirits because, you know, when you start drinking as, as a young person, spirits were like, the easy easy into to, to drinking um because they tasted a bit nicer um it, they didn't taste like alcohol I suppose so vodka and raspberries were my chosen drink at one stage when I was going out to nightclubs and that kind of thing um and yeah and then all of a sudden it turned to wine um when I started working in hospitality um and learning a lot about wine and things like that then yeah I, t- I ended up switching to wine um and then that was my chosen drink. Red was my chosen drink for a while. Um, yeah, so, um, and that was the drink that I was drinking until the end. Yeah, so um, white white wine maybe in the summer uh, and then, yeah, red wine um, for most of the, all the rest of the year really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't picky. Any Anything that gave me that buzz, oh, I would but, <laughs> go But in. when I was really drunk, if there was spirits in the house, if there was, you know, I would even drink beer when I was really drunk. You know, it's, um, yeah, I wasn't picky. Like if someone offered me a drink, I'd drink it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Especially when yeah. it was free. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so when did you realize it had started to become a problem for you? Um... I think I always knew it was like, so even when I was binge binge drinking in high school, people, and this is really inappropriate, but people used to call me the paralytic nerd um, when I was in, like when I first came out of high school, because, um, you know, and that was back in early 1990s that people were calling me that, um, which obviously related to, you know, when someone's really, 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 really drunk. Um, Yeah. So the meaning of that. So it's, that's yeah that's when I knew that it wasn't great you know like obviously at the time I was celebrating the fact that people were calling me this but it was like people were making fun of me you know it's like that's not good so from then onwards and and like I mentioned earlier I always had these insecurities and you know um paranoid that what people thought of me and that kind of thing um that was right up until probably about five, six years ago. So um, I was always paranoid about what people thought of me. Um, I think it's been quite therapeutic writing this book because, you know, you, you learn to be comfortable in your own skin and you learn to be comfortable with yourself. Um, so, yeah, I think it's been quite good for me to, to go through this process of writing the book because, yeah, it's actually not cured me of my insecurities or anything like that because I still catastrophize. I still do all of those things that I've always done. I just learned to manage it better. Yeah. And I think that's what, you know, a lot of people don't realize is just because we've decided to live alcohol free doesn't mean that there's still some of the crazy stuff that comes along it. Cause there's times and I, I don't know if you can relate, but when you talk to somebody else who is living alcohol free and they've experienced what we have, when you start to get stuck in your head and you actually share that out loud with them, they can yeah. tell, they're like, Oh, I know what you're saying. I was just feeling like that yesterday. Like I just felt all sorts of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly right. And, and, and I truly believe, you know, and, and obviously this is my experience, but talking to so many other people and when you post things on, you know, Instagram or Facebook, people go, yes, I do. I, that, you know, that I can relate to that because I do that too. Um, like I posted a, a, a post the other day about insecurities and so many people posted going, yes, yes. You know, like this is exactly what I go through, you know, um, it's, it's, um, it's amazing that we all have sort of similar stories, even though we have our own stories, 
um, it's similar that it's sort of stemmed from that. It's either stemmed from trauma, it's stemmed from, you know, something happening in your life or the way you feel about yourself. So um, yeah, it's interesting that, yes, we all have our own journey, but it's, it's interesting that people are finding that the reason why they drink is quite similar. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. So what did, you know, how did you end up turning your life around and starting on this alcohol-free journey? So I... So in 2010, that was my first proper attempt at quitting. Um, and the, these attempts, there was three attempts before I finally quit. Um, so the first one was in 2010 and um, I was 37 at the time and I just said, I've had enough, like this is ridiculous. Um, it was when I was um, single at the time and being single for me, not good. <laughs> It wasn't good because that's where my insecurities and everything was at its worst. So, um, you know, I'd had a failed marriage. I'd just broken up with my partner of almost five years and I thought no one wanted to be with me. So it's <clears throat> quite demoralising when you have those things happen and um, and you just go through these terrible things. I did terrible things when I was single. So, you know, it got myself in ridiculous situations um, <clears throat> that I look back now and think, how, how did I, you know, get myself out of that situation? Um, because they, I got them, I got myself in some pretty bad situations. Um, so that's when I just went, no, I've had enough. And um, at that time as well, that first attempt, my, one of, uh, a guy that I went to high school with that I was good friends with in high school, um, he had a brain tumour and ended up passing away. So, and he was only my age. And I just went, this is crazy. Like I'm ruining my body and this poor person has just passed away and he probably wasn't doing what I was doing. Um, and I just, it was almost like a, at that time it felt like a rock bottom, but it, it wasn't. <laughs> um, and then I ended up drinking again. Um, so I went to counselling, I um, drug and alcohol counselling. But even at the time when I was going to the counselling, I wasn't really engaged with it um, because I didn't really think I had a problem at the time. So, so even though you know that you've got to stop and deep down you're you're oh, deep down you're telling yourself no I don't really have a problem what's going on like why don't you just keep drinking like it's um it's almost as people call that wine witch it's like in, in the back of your head going you don't have a problem what do you you know what are you doing going to drug and alcohol counseling so I went to six sessions I, I ended up going on antidepressants at the time because I just wasn't great at that time um and I was on those for almost a year and I just didn't feel anything while I was on them. I didn't feel happy. I didn't feel sad. I didn't feel anything. And that for, for me, who's quite an emotional person to not feel anything was just horrible. So I ended up coming off those and I was drinking again. Um, then 2012, second attempt, I was 39. Um, and same thing, just went for a few months and then I had met my now husband then. Um, so I had, when I actually met up with him again, cause I used to go to high school with him. Um, and then we met up 22 years later. And when I met up with him again, it's, I wasn't drinking at the time. So um, I just said, I did say to him at the time, if I start drinking, it's not good. Um, but I remember, I don't think he quite believed me at the time that it was a, really that bad um and then in 2012 like uh I think it was September of 2012 we went to Spain and I thought oh we're going on holidays I'll just have a couple of drinks I was very drunk every day <laughs> that holiday and then um I ended up getting diagnosed with celiac disease when I was 41 um in 2014 and thought I've got to stop again um, ended up changing my diet, went on a paleo diet. Um, I really thought that my body, I felt like my body was shutting down, to be honest. Like I feel like, I felt like, you know, I'm getting, not that the celiac disease, obviously it was there and at some point I was going to get it. It's just, 
I can't help but think that the alcohol triggered it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and I just didn't feel well. Um, I just felt horrible. I was overweight. So I was, I felt unwell. Um, you know, I was getting colds and things like that quite regularly. And yeah, quit for not that long again. And then that was probably the longest stint. Um, but the funny thing was, is each time I quit, I learned something from each of those occasions. So the next time I quit, I'm like, well, that didn't work last time. So I'll do this this time. Um, so I did that as well. And then the final attempt, um, my mum was really unwell at the time and we thought it was going to be her, her last Christmas and that was in 2017. She'd been diagnosed with um, stage four uterine cancer and that was in Feb of 2017. Um, she originally got diagnosed with uterine cancer the year before, um, but then they finally told her in 2017 she had stage four. Um, so on Christmas Day of 2017, I thought, this is going to be the last Christmas with mum. I'm going to get drunk, <laughs> like, um, which is crazy. Like that's just a crazy thought that, I did, and then after that, I woke up on Boxing Day 2017, and I had the worst hangover I'd ever had in my whole life. Um, and that's saying something because I had quite a few bad ones. Um, and I just quit. And it was—I had prepped myself though prior to that date, so I had um, taken selfies of myself when I was drunk. I'd taken, you know, just to. Um, determine what was going to work moving forward um so it wasn't just I quit on that day and that was it it was a like a real preparation of what I was going to do I did watch these videos leading up to that as well online and um they were really inspiring to me like you know they were using words like you know alcohol is not the joy juice that you think it is and you know there was just little things they were really effective videos and I was just like I have to quit like this is crazy like this is not making me feel better um by getting so drunk all the time um it's actually making me feel worse so yes that's when I quit (laughs) um so that's the whole story of yeah, pretty much what happened over the course of that time. Yeah. Wow. And I can relate because I was a blackout drinker as well. And it was, I remember one time, actually, this was actually when I was already sober. One of the women I worked with, we had a golf tournament. And of course, she never drank. I'd seen her in the 12 years I worked there, maybe a handful of times drink. <clears throat> and, you know, she blacked out and, you know, didn't remember the whole evening. I had left, of course, long before then, but I saw her on Monday and she ran up to my desk and she said, are you insane? And I kind of looked shocked because I had—I think I had been sober for about three or four years at that time. And yeah. I said, so a little bit, why? <clears throat> What's up? And she goes, how could anyone in their right mind black out from drinking too much and think it's a good idea to do it again? She goes, I will never, ever drink like that again, ever. and for me it was like well how do you feel better I mean if once you're blackout drunk the next day there's only really one way to feel better and that's usually drink again but it's amazing as soon as we have that alcohol how quickly we forget what it was like for sure for sure the amount of times I went to parties and woke up the next day like weddings or whatever and then we'd had breakfast with the bride and groom the next day or something like that I'd be drinking again, you know, like woke up going, oh, that, I've got the worst hangover in the world. And then you just start drinking again. You just forget all about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just crazy the way that you think when you're in that headspace. Yeah. And it's, mm. I heard something one time that alcohol is the only drug that we have to justify not taking. Mm. And I was like, Wow, that's so true because you do a lot of the time, like even my spouse and I will go out for dinner and the, the waiter will come up and say, you know, do you guys want to drink? He's like, oh, we don't drink. I'm like, I'll have a Diet Coke. Like you can drink Diet Coke or something like that. But I it know, is... it's funny. You shouldn't have to tell a waiter that you don't drink. It's no, hilarious, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. But I think society, like mm-hmm. even when we go on holidays, it's, you know, hey, do you want a beer? Do you want a tequila? And we're like, no, it's okay. And they're like, come on. Like it's very, especially in some countries, it's very 
traditional it it's just the lifestyle and it's sometimes it's just it's like no I don't want to have oh, it it's very much like here that here in Australia yeah it's it's like what do you mean you're not drinking this is ridiculous yeah so um people are just it's not so bad now now that like alcohol free is accepted now um but you know, a few years ago when I told people I was quitting drinking, they're like, you're crazy. Like, what's the, you know, what are you going to do when you go out? Like, what do you mean? Remember the evening? That's what I'm going to (laughs) do. That's exactly right. And the fact that you have so much more time in the day, like that just blows my mind every day now that I wake up and I think I've got, got so much more time in the day. I don't have a hangover. I'm not drinking. I'm not wasting time thinking about drinking. Um, the time that you get back is amazing. Yeah. yeah. It is such a fantastic life. So what would you say, you know, the key was this time around to you actually remaining alcohol free? Because I mean, I think we're all aware that <clears throat> it could come back anytime we could, you know, something can happen and we know it's right there. But you know, I believe that I've, I've discovered my purpose in life. And that's really kept me that's enhanced my recovery. So what what is it for you this time around? Um, so for me, there was a whole range of different things. So it was looking back on my journal. So I wrote quite a lot. Um, so what prompted this book was I was writing journals from 2017 onwards. So, um, when mum got really unwell and then, um, you know, how I was feeling waking up with hangovers, how I was feeling, you know, just those types of, that was early 2017 when mum got diagnosed so I was still drinking at that stage I was actually doing um not writing a journal but voice memos um from a long time ago so from maybe around 2010 um I was doing lots of voice memos and how I was feeling the next day and things like that um what happened mainly about relationship type stuff and and that kind of thing but it was also about how I was feeling when I was drunk and how I was feeling when I was hungover and things like that. So I would go back and read that, listen to those voice memos um, and really cement this, not disdain for alcohol, but like really to um, cement to me that alcohol is not good for me. Like um, the fact that I have to now be honest with myself about my drinking and I think that's a key thing, that the fact that I was honest with myself um, cause prior to that, I wasn't, I was telling people I was drinking a couple of glasses of wine a night. I was drinking bottles of wine a night, like, um, because I didn't want people to, to judge me about how much I was drinking. Um, so it was actually a release and a relief to release this book because it was like, even my brothers read it and went, mm, I didn't realize that was going on. Like, cause I hid it. I hid it from everybody. Um, you know, they knew that I drank, you know, but not to the extent that I was. Um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it, like, but just even um, the other things that I probably learned, oh, there's lots that I, that I learned, but, <clears throat> but even like, you know, joining Facebook groups, um, reading memoirs, you know, so many alcohol-free books I read just to, you know, allow me to get into that headspace of, this is actually a good thing. These people are doing really well. They're alcohol-free. They're enjoying their life. Um, they've written a book, you know, like they're doing all these great things. Um, I could be doing that too, like um, because I felt like for a lot of my life I wasted. Um, I wasn't even a painting. I wasn't drawing. I wasn't doing anything for a very long time. And I love my artwork and alcohol just suppressed all of that. Um so it, it, it was about engaging with other people. It was about being honest with other people. It was about being honest with myself. Um, I think, and I, I know a lot of people think telling other people and because <clears throat> I've encountered this online um, that people have said, you know, tell someone else it's a really good thing to open up and, and be honest about it with other people. But people have had negative experiences with that and I completely get that that, you know, um, opening up to other people is, is a big deal. But I suppose it's just about do you value that person's opinion? Do you know what I mean? Do you value that person's opinion and is it worthy and is that person worthy of being in your life? You know, it's 
um, I had to evaluate so many relationships in my life because I wanted people around me that were going to support me, not um, be negative about my whole experience of being alcohol free. And yes, I still do have people in my life that, you know, have a go at me for being alcohol free, but that's okay. That's their opinion. Do you know what I mean? It's just, I'm not going to take that on board and I'm not going to affect that, um, you know, cause that's not going to affect me in the past. Yes. That would have affected me. Um, I would have taken that on board and gone, Oh yeah, they're right. I'll start drinking again. Um, but because I've got more confidence in myself to just go, no, I'm, I'm not going to drink. Like you can keep, trying to force me to drink I'm not going to um so and it's also about saying no to people as well it's about being confident to say no I'm not I'm not drinking mm-hmm. um having one t- that alcohol touching my lips is going to turn into three bottles of wine um so it's yeah, yeah. so they're really the things that um that I did um to sort of stay on track and still do yeah yeah yeah, it doesn't get pretty. And I, I think, you know, you said that there are a lot of the people you've had, you have to walk away from. I had to do that. There are some friends I still have in my life, but they they don't have to brag about how much they do or do not, do not drink. I have people ask me that sometimes, like, how do I know that I've got a problem with alcohol? I'm like, well, if you want it all the time, that's pr- a pretty good indicator. And if you also have to justify not having it, that's also a probably a good in- indicator, right? Because I remember when I first um, decided to make a lifestyle change, I didn't think that alcohol was my problem. I thought, no, it's not, you know, it's, I was 215 pounds. I'm just overweight. Like if I fix how I look on the outside, it'll heal the pain I felt on the inside. Right. And I was having, you know, nine beers on a weekend, which is an appetizer, you know, for us hard drinkers. And, you know, I would have a bottle, half a bottle of NyQuil to, to pass out and go to sleep wow but I would brag about that I only had nine beers all weekend and nobody that doesn't have a problem has to even talk about how much that's right exactly yeah I I completely understand because there were some nights like like what you're saying you'd go out and you'd have two glasses of wine and you're like I only had two glasses of wine tonight it's like that's fantastic but then I'd come home and I'd have two bottles (laughs) like do you know what I mean so I was trying to create this facade for people and just like you probably were as well creating this facade for people that you know, like, oh, I only had two glasses at that party. I was doing okay. And they probably thought that too. Like they probably thought, oh, Mary's not drinking much tonight. But little did they know I was coming home and I was, you know, drinking so much when I actually got home and just sitting in my lounge room on my own getting drunk. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it's, um, I know, it's the things that we do um, and, yeah, and, and the things that you take as well, like you were talking about, to make you go to sleep as well, like you just like to completely knock yourself out. I was doing the same. Yeah. So, you know, I had to have melatonin tablets and mix that with alcohol and go to bed, you know. it's mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, the silly things that we do. Oh, yeah. I've done it all. And I think the sad <clears throat> thing is, though, there is such a stigma around it. I remember... I really want, I felt like I was worth something more. I felt like I could do more, but I had no idea what that more was. And I think one of the problems was, is I always thought that my past, you know, being 22 years of doing this and, you know, getting into drugs and stuff like that, that would always ruin my future. But I realized that, hey, actually, I I don't think I've gone through all of this stuff to do nothing. And Mm. that's what inspired me to get into coaching and to write my book. So what inspired you to write the book? And let's talk about that. Um, So what inspired me to write the book is I wanted to help others do this. So I was seeing people on Facebook and um, at the time, in particular, Facebook, because I later went on to Instagram. But, um, But a lot of people were actually, you know, really struggling with their alcohol use, like really um, not getting to the bottom of why they were drinking. And I think also reading other people's books um, that really inspired me, um, a lot of those were memoirs and I wanted to sort of do a combination of that. So I wanted to do a combination of my story as well as some self-help sections in the book and just to talk about what I learned. Um, Also the motivation for the book is to teach people that, they need to do it their own way. Like it's not for me to say, oh, the way I did it was perfect and you need to do what I did. Um, people need to discover what works for them. 
Um, so that's why I wrote this book and that's why it's called, you know, Living an Alcohol-Free Life Your Way because you will discover what works for you by going through the journal prompts and actually um, working out what what's what's the reason why you're drinking. Because um, I think people don't get to the bottom of that. I think they wake up the next morning and think, and I did it so many times, like I'm not being judgment, judgmental of people at all. Um, I'm far from it when it comes to people drinking. If people can drink and drink one glass of wine and go out and come home and that's fantastic. I just can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, And there's people that do enjoy wine. There's wine appreciation clubs and things like that. Beer appreciation clubs, they can, you know, happily drink one beer or one glass of wine and, and just appreciate the taste of it. But for me, it's like if that touched my lips, no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the motivation really or the inspiration for writing the book is to mainly help others to discover that, you know, by buying my book or by reading my book, they're not going to open it and go, oh, she's going to tell me how to quit um, because I'm not. I'm not going to tell you how to quit. Um, I'm going to give you some questions to guide you on to, for you to, to discover how you can quit because I'm no expert. I'm just, I've just quit myself. It's just because um, I don't think anyone can really say that they're an expert in this area because everyone has to do it their own way. Like everyone has to decide what works for them um because what worked for me may not work for somebody else um so I have got what I've learned and I've called them Mary Wisdoms in my book um but and people can take those and they can use that to to you know live their alcohol-free life and that's fine if they want to do that but they're not intended to tell people how to live an alcohol-free life the journal prompts are the most important part of parts of the book and my memoir sections are just context to the chapters. So, um, and my experience of, of how I lived an alcohol-free life or what I was doing when I was even drunk as well. So um, they're not all the stories. <laughs> not putting all the stories in there. Um, <laughs> um, they're just some of the stories that sort of gives you the, the idea of how my alcohol use got so bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause I was drinking when I was celebrating, commiserating, any, any event I was drinking. Um, so when mum got sick, it was really, you know, mum is also an inspiration for, you know, cause mum passed away in 2019 as well. So, you know, that's keeps me on track as well. Cause I want mum to be proud of me. So, and my brother said to me the other day, I'd, yeah, she will be because, you know, you've published his book and you're helping other people. So, um, I know that she will be um, proud of me for writing it. Absolutely. And I, I do like I, you know, when I wrote my first book and wrote the story, it was therapeutic because there was a lot of stuff that came up and I was actually shocked. There was things I remembered that I was like, oh, I've long since stuffed this away. But I really admire how you you know, say it's living an alcohol-free life your way, because I think mm. that, and you can see statistics, right? People going to <clears throat> treatment centers and all that kind of stuff. It's, it, it doesn't work unless you want to get sober. I mean, that's right. You know, I was having this conversation the other day with someone and, and she was saying she's fairly early on in her alcohol-free journey. And, you know, it was that, you know, why do some people get it and some people don't? It's like, well, you have to want it. And if you don't, That's it right. doesn't matter what you do, you know. So true. So true. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly right. And you're just amazing for writing all of the books that you have. You know, it's just, you know, because you have that passion for it. You want to help other people. You want to inspire other people to do that too. Because um, I think it's really important for people to, do, you know, although alcohol is a legal drug, um, it doesn't mean we have to drink it. it doesn't mean because it's there we have to drink it because it's legal um yeah and it's and it yeah it's just I don't know you know why people think that you know alcohol is just this thing that we can just it's easily accessible we'll just you know drink it all the time but you know in saying that there's people like I said before that happily drink a couple of glasses you know once a month um, and they're quite happy doing that. So, yeah, or drink one glass of wine a night and that's all they drink. Um, but, yeah, 
yeah, alcohol, not, hey? Not, not for us. It's <laughs> no, definitely not for us. <laughs> so if, is there like, you know, if you were to talk to somebody that's struggling, are there, is there advice that you would give them just to start out? So I think one of the main pieces that I constantly talk about is not being so hard on yourself. So if you do quit, because I see so many people being so hard on themselves, they're like, I'm back at day one again. It's like, have a think about why you drink, you know, like have, you know, ask some questions about why you're actually drinking because that can get to the bottom of why, you know, that can actually help you to stay on track because then you know why, you know what your triggers are, you know, you know, when you go out to parties, you have a plan, you know. Um, so I think that's where, you know, people are just so hard on themselves. It's like, oh, I've quit again. It's like, but what did you learn from the last time that you quit? You know, you, you would have done some really good things when you quit last time. Um, you know, you might have gone out to a party and engaged in a conversation because you might have social anxiety. So that's a positive, you know. Um, that can be something you can take moving forward into your alcohol-free life. So those little things leading up to when you do finally quit is okay like you can quit you can start again quit start again you know like it's it's okay but as long as you're learning from your previous attempts to then move that forward into your alcohol-free life I think that's really important but yeah I think people um just need to sort of relish in those um you know positive things that they do from their previous attempts um I think they need to look at that rather than oh I'm back a day one again you know because I think people look at the numbers um rather than thinking I've done something good previously let's take that and move that forward you know it's like someone put a a video up on Instagram yesterday of a of a little boy on a skateboard going down um, stairs and just kept falling and getting back up again and trying it again, like, because he was trying to do tricks on these stairs and he just kept falling and getting back up again and falling and getting back up again. It's, I find it really interesting as kids, we're quite happy to fail in and, and, you know, then get back up and start and do it again. And like Anthony Robbins says, you know, you never say to a child when they're learning how to walk, oh, you failed, just stop. Um, you know, you never say to them, you just got to give up. That's it. You know, you keep failing at this, just stop. Um, and, and that's what we do as kids. We just keep trying. Um, but I don't know what happens as soon as we become adults, we just stop. Um, and we think that failing is the be all and end all. And it's actually not, they're just learning opportunities. They're, you know, experiences that we can take moving forward. Absolutely. I think I've learned most from <clears throat> my perceived failures and now, yeah. I look at it because I'm really learning, you know, the science of beliefs. And it's amazing how you can change your beliefs. You can start to challenge your beliefs and go, okay, well, this isn't actually a failure. This is an opportunity. And I, you know, I don't even hardly use the word fail anymore as it is because I'm like, hey, if I hadn't, you know, could you imagine if we never failed at anything? How would oh. we experience like sheer joy and excitement? We never could. Because you wouldn't get those highs at all, no. would you? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So can I just ask you about, like, um, what inspired you to write your book? Absolutely. I think the same as you. I wanted to inspire people and, you know, because I found that probably <clears throat> in my fourth through sixth year of being sober, I got complacent. And I thought there's got to be more like I feel like I've got this bigger purpose and I I honestly compared myself and I really believe that this is why people don't get help or the help yeah. that they need is because I would look at myself and I was like I wasn't a low bottom drunk you know I wasn't homeless I didn't sleep under a bridge with a you know brown paper bag what a lot of people think that's what it means exactly. to have a problem no, I actually had a job, you know, I, I mean, I had, you know, hit far deeper bottoms along my journey, but somebody had told me, you know, tomorrow, wherever you are in life, there's always someone one step behind you. So when you're sitting here comparing yourselves to these low bottom drunks, mm -hmm. what about the person who's one step behind you and can relate to your story more than they can to that person's story? That's and exactly they, right. Right. Yeah. They said, write your book. And that's why I did, because I thought if if I can show people that, hey, I, you know, had a mortgage, even though I lost it all after, you know, I went bankrupt and all that stuff after. But I 
on the outside, you would think, hey, she lives a really good life, but I didn't. I was ready to kill myself because I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, I know. And it's amazing that people do have that perception because when I was younger, I had that perception that an alcoholic and if I, if someone called me an alcoholic and I did get called an alcoholic once by somebody, um, which I still remember to this day, and it's just not a word I enjoy. It's just, it's because you do have this perception of someone that's got, hasn't got their life together. But at the time I didn't have my life together. Like, but I didn't have that self-awareness to go, no, you don't actually have your life together. Like it's like, it's yeah. But alcoholic, yeah, it's not a great word. It's um, yeah. And you do have that perception at someone that, you know, is drinking out of a paper bag and homeless and yeah. And it's um, and it's not people do have alcohol issues um, when they are holding down a job, I had a full-time job the whole way through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't even know how I held down my job, to be honest. Um, you know, I ended up in leadership roles at, at one point and I didn't even know how I maintained those jobs, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's, I, I think because I was always a high performer at work, so I was always taking on extra projects as well as doing my daily work. And I think because I wasn't taking on a lot of projects when my drinking was at its worst, I think, and then I was just doing my daily work. People probably didn't really notice Um, um, because I think even when I was doing my daily work, I was performing well, even when I was drinking every night. So, um, and I was working in community services roles. So I was working with people with disabilities, mental health issues, um, you know, vulnerable people. And I was drinking every night (laughs) um so it's yeah it's it's crazy what um the perception that you have um as opposed to what's what the reality is yeah and I always tell people I mean especially people that are alcohol free now is you know they think they don't have the skills to do things and lead these amazing lives and I'm like well look back to what you would do to get drunk right? Were you resilient? You're alive, obviously. So you must have been resilient to some, you know, point. Um, Were you resourceful, right? Were you persistent? And you could probably answer yes to every single skill that you need to actually create a successful life. And by success, I mean, where you're, you're happy and you're fulfilled and you're joyful. We have all those skills. We used to use them like crazy. And I think that's why we do so well in the corporate world while we're still drinking is because we we've got that all in mentality that's right that's exactly right and I you also think also what keeps you on track as well is that you know that what you were capable of then when you were drinking at your worst and you just think well what what could I be capable of now now that I'm not drinking do you know what I mean I can do so much so yeah, I'm, I'm best when I'm busy and I take on a lot. So I'm studying at the moment. I'm working full time. I wrote the book and launching it at the moment. And I'm also doing, you know, writing um, online um, content. But And I also talked to you previously about coaching. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so I like to take on a lot. You know, I do my artwork as well. So, it's you know, I, I like to take on a lot. But And that's where, when I work best. But... You know, and I understand that, <clears throat> losing my voice again, um, I understand that, um, you know, some people can't do that. But you're right. Even when people are at their worst, they're resilient, like what you're saying. They're alive. They're, um, you know, to a certain degree, they've been able to get through what they've been able to get through so far. Um, so starting at that point is good because you know that you do have that resilience to some degree. absolutely I know we're amazing people it's amazing what we have the the capabilities to do and that's really my mission especially with this show is to bring you know people on like yourself to share your story and then to share that hey I can do all this really cool thing like I'm I don't know about you but I wouldn't want to go back and change any of it like I even think about would I want to have quit earlier no because I wouldn't have had all this experience that I do today and I think that's an amazing thing so congratulations I I know it's (laughs) it's such a cool journey so if people want to buy the book where can they find it because I know it's out and people got to get their hands on this book (laughs) so you can go to my website which is obviously down the bottom there um which is mary stop 
marystuart.net.au. Um, so it is on special at the moment. Um, the paperback, unfortunately, for international um, customers can't be purchased on my website, but the ebook can. Um, so you can still purchase the ebook, and that's only two ninety nine at the moment because of the launch this month. So that will be on sale until the thirtieth, which is only a few days away. Um, so you can go onto the website, but it's also available on other websites. So like Barnes and Noble, um, Amazon, um, Booktopia, uh, Book Depository, and there's independent stores that are selling it as well. So if you just Googled it, um, it, a whole range of, I think even Target is selling it. There's, um, Angus and Robinson, there's a whole range of different places selling it. So, um, you can purchase it if you want the actual paper book, um, on those sites. Yeah. Amazing. We'll make sure to put some links in the show notes as well. So if people want to learn more about what you do, um, can they go to your website? How can they get hold of you? Sure. Yeah. So you can go to my website. There's also a contact page on my website. So I'm happy to hear people's stories. I'm happy to hear um, how people are going or if they've got questions they want to ask. I'm more than happy to, for people to send me messages on my um even on Instagram as well. So um, my handle on Instagram is Mary Stewart underscore author. And um, I will also be, I also have an art page as well, um, but I'm not sort of um, pushing that at the moment because <laughs> I just don't have time to do any artwork at the moment. But, um, yeah, that will be later. And I'll also have some artwork on my um, on my page as well, on my website. Um, there'll be a page for my artwork as well. So you can also purchase prints and things like that um, in the future. So that will be later in the year that that will happen. Yeah. Well, that um, is incredible. <clears throat> Thank you so much for being on the show. We could probably go on for another hour. <laughs> we and, probably could. <laughs> but I really appreciate you being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. <laughs> what a great chat with Mary Stewart. I thoroughly enjoyed it and I will post the links for her book, Living an Alcohol-Free Life Your Way in the show notes. So make sure you head on over to the show notes, click on the links and let's help support Mary with her book launch. And guys, if you haven't already, make sure you sign up for our next Collaboration Zone Zoom party calls. These are my friends in recovery who are entrepreneurs and we're gonna be doing training, we're gonna be doing speed connection rounds where you get to introduce who you are, what you provide services for, and you can ask for connections, favors, feedbacks from the rest of the group. So this is a great place to network. We have hot seat calls, member training, or we've got some training coming up on how you can you know, create a business that is you know, environmentally friendly or what you can do in your business to really make this world a better place. And there's lots of fun to be had. So make sure you come join us. You get to showcase your skills. And guess what? These will be aired as podcast episodes. So what information you provide, you never know who's going to be listening and who may need your services. So I hope to see you there. Head on over to www.theroadforward.ca slash collaboration zone. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Road Beyond Recovery. Did you know that our dreams can become a reality? When you determine your purpose in life and you allow that purpose to guide you, anything is possible. It just takes action. Don't wait until you're ready. Start to create the life you were truly meant to live right now. I am super passionate about my mission to help people live up to their true potential. So if you want to learn more, check out my website at www.theroadforward.ca. And until next week, keep exploring what lies beyond recovery for you.